Hello and welcome to the podcast version of Kenya's biggest conversation that's broadcast live every weekday morning from 6 to 10 a.m. on Spice FM. Hit subscribe for more thought-provoking conversations with your hosts Eric Latif, Ndu Oko and C.T. Muga and who's who of an eclectic mix of guests from the world of politics, policy, business and culture. This is a Situation Room podcast. Enjoy. So, um, the other day, we, well, yesterday actually, we were reading a story and um, it had also been uh, announced over the weekend. On Friday, medics announced that they would down their tools in 12 counties starting tomorrow, the 19th of April. Uh, eight unions, including the Kenya Medical Practitioners, Pharmacists and Dentists Union, KMPDU, the Kenya National Union of Nurses, KNUN, the Kenya Union of Clinical Officers, the Kenya National Union of Pharmaceutical Technologists, the Kenya Health Professional Society, the Kenya Union of Nutritionists and Dietitians, declared that their workers will not report to their workstations. In those uh, counties, 12 counties, the workers were emphasizing that they were not necessarily planning to go on strike but rather to demonstrate that they could not attend work due to lack of resources. As a sinner's neighbor's fair, it's a casino. Gumu. So you've invited two of uh, the leadership of two of those unions, the Kenya Union of Clinical Officers and the Kenya Medical Practitioners and Dentists Union. Peterson Washira is the national chairman of the Union of Clinical Officers. Good morning, Peterson. Good morning. Welcome to Kenya's biggest conversation. I think you I'm very happy to be back here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Karibu sana. Asante sana. Now, to welcome you, you heard us talking about the proverbs. We we're waiting for you to come in so that you can hear the day's proverb. This okay. week's proverbs are from Burkina Faso. Today's proverb city. An axe does not cut the tree on its own. An axe does not cut the tree on its own. Mm. Peterson, when you hear that proverb, how do you interpret it? I think uh, what that means is that um, though the axe is uh, sharp and it has been made in a way that it should be able to cut, some outside forces must assist. <laughs> and I think what that means in real life is that um, no matter how sharp or talented you may be, you require other people to help you and propel you to probably where you want to go. That would be my interpretation. Mm -hmm. yeah. City? Uh, you know, the beauty of Proverbs mm. is that every time you ask different people, they bring to light things that you may not even have considered when you're thinking about it. Mm. But he's right. The blade of the axe is what people talk about yeah. because it's the blade that cuts. Mm. Okay? The head, as we call it. But you have to attach that head to something else. Mm. And even when you attach it, it doesn't mean it's going to cut. There has to be a force behind it that pushes it towards the intended target mm. for cutting. Mm. So if, if you look at, the, the, as, as, as Wanawashira has very correctly put it, there are many forces at play. Right. Yes. You can't just climb on yourself, no, on your own. hardly. Mm. Even mm. when people talk about being self-made people. Mm. You, it's, <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not downplaying it. Mm. I'm just saying that there's a lot of effort that people make and that effort gets you somewhere. Mm. But along the way, there are very many other people who have helped you get there. The self is a sum of many. Yes, it has to be. Okay. Yes. Peterson, for the benefit of everybody who may not understand, what's 
the difference between a clinical officer and a doctor? Wow. I think this is a question that uh, we used to be asked like 10 years ago mm. when uh, many people did not understand there is a cadre called clinical officers. Though probably from where you grew up, you have actually been treated by ourselves until probably now when... Uh, that person I was adults. calling Daktari was actually a clinical That's officer. That's a clinical officer. Okay. In every other patient in Kenya, mm. including MTRH, the person you are going to meet first who, is, who has the capacity to diagnose you and treat you is a clinical officer. Usually you find the doctors in the inpatient, in the wards. Mm -hmm. So the difference is that uh, we are primary physicians. We are supposed to see you first and then the doctors are the secondary physicians, if I can put it, in, uh, put it like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, of course, the difference is um, all the way from the academics, whatever we are trained in, of course, uh, so that we are primary and doctors are secondary. Mm. But clinic officers have actually been in existence since 1928, when um, uh, Kenyatta National Hospital was uh, known as uh, St. George. Mm. Was it? Uh, yes, it was. Mm. King George. George. Yeah, King George Hospital. Yes, yes. Mm. So when, um, when the white man started training blacks, they never believed that you can train a, a black to become a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so they started by on-job training mm. and uh, <laughs> the nurses would be trained for an extra one year mm -hmm. and become clinic officers to see the blacks. Mm. So later, mm. then it moved from certificate to diploma and now from the diploma to degree. And, uh, but now the clinical medicine now took root mm. and uh, their equivalents ac across the globe. Actually, the US and Europe learned from Kenya and that is how they were able to establish the primary, the, the, the physician assistant in US. Right now they have around 600,000 and the physician associates in, the, in Europe. Mm. And we have uh, analogs, the equivalents across the globe. We actually have an association mm. for the analogs across the globe. Mm. Yes. So you say even in training there's a difference? Yeah, there is a difference between okay. a clinical officer and a doctor. What, what's the difference in terms of training? What, what does a clinical officer study? Uh, it's or, or what don't you say? <laughs> it's basically the same thing. Mm. It's only that the doctors uh, will go for uh, six years, mm. while clinic officers go for five years. Uh, when it comes to surgery, the doctors are advanced than the clinic officers. Okay. But you also taught surgery? Yeah, we do surgery. We actually do um, minor and uh, some of the invasive surgery. Mm. But now the doctors go a step ahead the clinic officer so that when you're primary then they can be the secondary okay yes but, but let me just understand this huh? when people refer to health care practitioners whether it's a clinical officer whether it is a nurse or whatever cadre, mm. the impression that one gets is that they are looked as as adjunct to doctors or to yes mm. Are these separate professions? Meaning, if you're a medical doctor, you're a medical doctor. If you're a clinical officer, it's a different profession. If you're a nurse, it's a different profession. Just like if you're a bus driver, it's a different profession, like that. Mm. Precisely. Uh, in the medical field, mm. uh, a patient requires over 17 
health professionals <laughs> and each of the profession is a standalone profession 17 not dependent on the other yes we have from the doctor the clinic officer the nurse we have the physiotherapist we have the laboratory officers we have the pharmacist all the dietitian, nutritionist you have the public health officer lab technician up to the mortician where yeah, that guy is also he's also a healthcare, <laughs> <laughs> healthcare provider. Wow. They have actually started a course, I think, in MTC for morticians. Uh -huh. Yes, they have. Yes, we talked about it here, and uh, there were the report was that there are more women who mm. applied for that particular for the job of morticians. Yes, than, for, for the training for morticians. Yeah. Okay, Karibu mm. Peterson. Dr. Dabji Atela is the national uh, general secretary of the Kenya Medical Practitioners and Dentists Union. He also joins us in the conversation. Good morning, Dr. Tari. Good morning to you. Uh, Santa Sana for joining us. You. Now, your two unions are among those that have said that uh, workers in some counties across the country are going to not report to work tomorrow. Is that correct? That's very correct. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's start with you, Peterson. Very affirmative. Yes. Which counties are these and why? Uh, we have uh, 12 counties. Yeah. I think by today we are having 11 counties. Kisi having paid yesterday. Um, and I think uh, like Kipia too. And also and like Kipia. Mm -hmm. So we have about uh, eight of them. Eight. Mm -hmm. And uh, these are the counties that have not paid uh, up to the March salary. And uh, why we have decided this is because this is something that uh, we have been complaining about since the inception of uh, devolution, devolution of healthcare. And we have reached a point where we believe that uh, it has been fashioned so. It is not by default. It is not uh, inadvertent. It is something that has been fashioned for whichever interest. There are counties that have become notorious, some even keeping salaries for even uh, three months. But almost all the counties, they do not uh, pay deductions, the third party deductions and other deductions on time, which of course now negatively affects our members in terms of uh, their capacity to uh, get the services from uh, NHIF mm. to be able to repay their loans. So some of them will be paid because they only pay the net and they don't pay the deductions for the loans. Mm. Then the bank is going to come for the money in your account ah uh, so they deduct from your salary but they don't remit to the yes. relevant uh, agencies yes they don't remit to nhif to kra to your circles to bank whether you have if you have a loan and such yeah okay hmm. okay peterson you said something that's interesting you said that uh, they're keeping the salaries mm. right so one would almost imagine that the money is available but for some reason they do not want to pay dr davji has said that uh, as of yesterday four counties have paid in the morning the number was at 12 by the end of the day the number was at eight so it sounds as though when there is a call for the downing of tools the money then is suddenly available do you smell a rat here is there just a lack of willingness to pay these salaries or is there actually a cash problem actually that's uh, why i'm saying it has been fashioned to be so it is not that they don't have the money 
if you are talking about a delay in salaries, how comes they never delayed the salaries for the civil servants at the national level? You saw the MPs complain, I think, for a day, and the next day now they they, they, they were competing who has checked their account and <laughs> to check whether the money is in there. Mm. So uh, we don't believe that it's an availability of money. Mm. It is that for whichever reason, there are people who are holding this money. And even, to, I'm sure today you'll see some other counties paying. Mm. Why would they want to do that, Dr. Jaffer? Why would they want to hold money that's supposed to be paying the salaries of the staff of folks who are so critical to a county? Why? Why would they want to do that? I think it's the priority that counties have, and that is really affecting this issue of salaries. And we believe that uh, if counties protest healthcare workers and healthcare in general, then the delays will not be occasioned. Because it is very difficult to understand why a county like Nakuru will be paying the workers by 22nd or 23rd of every month. Another county uh, like Tataveta will be perennially paying the, the month of one month after the other. Like also Kisumu, you saw like they pay February salaries in April. So it's, I think it's the priority and the deliberate actions. And I will say one thing is that uh, the county governments actually using the healthcare workers as the bargaining chips when they're discussing uh, the inefficiency between them and the national government. Because then they know that when there's a shut shutdown in healthcare, then I think they can now bargain more. So generally it's a deliberate thing that uh, they are doing. And that's why we are calling that uh, it is not uh, proper to say that healthcare is essential and healthcare workers need to be at work, mm -hmm. but they can't be supported and, f and, and, uh, and facilitated to do so. That's what made us to actually give a notice. It is not a strike notice, it's a walkout notice. And we gave the seven day notice because it is legal. The, the, the actions that are coming in between them is the same. The only difference is that with walkouts, we don't negotiate. You just get out of work mm -hmm. and you wait for the monies to eat your account and your bank statements become the return to work formula that makes tells you that oh, there's now money you can now go back to work uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then Dectari, in all fairness are other county workers being paid when you say that the healthcare workers are not receiving their salary are they the only ones uh, uh you know the number of uh healthcare workers in the county forms about 80 percent of the workforce in the counties so it then means that if there's a delay in payment of salaries in the counties of those populations the numbers that are total to healthcare workers is around 80. so the bigger majority and that's why the impact is big and then they do not have any other source of income apart from going to work uh, to these particular facilities and because you're expected to be at work at eight to five and someone call and and, and all those they don't have another source they of don't income. have other sources of income doctors in counties don't have local they don't have there are no locums currently actually anywhere uh, 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 for sure mm. yes you know city is surprised when he hears when you say 80 percent of county workforce mm. is yeah. healthcare. yes mm. uh, i'm talking about little arithmetic mm -hmm. and i'm wondering 80 percent then I realize he's right. Because of the hospital, all the health facilities yes, that we yes. see. Yes, if, if, right. if, if, if you take Duwaweru's uh, 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 description of the healthcare workers, mm. uh, there are many. Mm. They are they very, are. very, 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 very many. They are very many. You look at, there is no government, county government unit that has, has many branches as 
uh, uh, the healthcare. If you look at the clinics, if you look at the different levels of healthcare facilities across the, the county, then you look at all the people in all those, there are many. And by healthcare workers, we're talking about everybody who's working in the health facility. Yes. yes. Including the support staff. Yes. There are many. Okay. Mm. So the question is, the, the issue here is that counties are not able to pay salaries. They're delaying salaries for as long as three months we it's not, a, it's not an aspect of inability it's an aspect of the, the deliberate uh act of not to pay because you know devolution has been there for 10 years it's mm -hmm. just this year that uh we saw the parliamentarians and the senators saying that the state officers in general saying it's the first time since independence that they're seeing delays in salaries and those were three four days delays but for the last 10 years in the devolution of healthcare, we've been having issues of salary mm -hmm. delays mm -hmm. it has it has been in almost every county we've had over 100 we say preventable strikes because salaries have delayed and that's why as unions we sat and agreed that as much as we are calling for these salaries to be paid by 19th mm. in the coming months we're going to have what we call a permanent strike notice of fifth that means every fifth of every month as per the labor relations act the workers need to be paid so that they can be at work and if any county will fail to have paid by fifth then they should not expect workers by sixth yeah i'm asking us a yeah. direct question yeah and yet you're saying you know uh, uh, refuse or two to the best of your understanding, I mean, you are now a national official. Yes. Are county governments able to pay salaries? They're able to pay. I want to give you a practical example. Okay. In the year 2017, uh, 2015 to 2017, mm. Nakuru County had perennial salary delays. Salaries were paid, like for February, will be paid in April. It was, it was every time. But when there was a change of guard, that is in 2017 there was a new governor there was no salary delay for the five years when this, this new governor has come to office there's no salary delay so it all goes with the leadership and the governance and the deliberate will of the person in office to actually prioritize healthcare workers and if that fails to be there mm. then we see the situation that you have and this also not only goes with salaries even the implementations of these collective bargaining agreements uh, promotions of healthcare workers and even recruitments it's also in that line if a person who is in office has no priority to healthcare because they don't consume it within the counties mm. then you realize that uh, the operations actually are not as expected mm. yes let's take a break ndu has a question she'll ask it after this break this is the situation room the only way to start your day the conversation continues with the leadership of the doctors union and the clinical officers union in the country mm. one must ask though one must wonder then if truly there was a cash crunch problem as it were because we're really trying to get to the heart of the matter here um then how is it that some four counties then were able to pay folks yesterday during the work day right and then do we get the feeling that because health workers whether you're looking at the whole cadre from doctors down to lab technicians you know across board is it that there is a general feeling that okay well these fellas have gone to school right but they also have a moral obligation to serve the people who may be sick and so they will be the first ones that we can essentially throw under the bus if we have a money problem that they may think that you're not likely to complain too much because in as much as you have professional capacity you have a moral obligation I'm looking for reasons as to why you would be the first ones to not be paid when there's a problem with cash flow. 
Mm. Uh, I think you've put it so well uh, on the aspect of the moral authority and they say you have offering essential services, uh, you've taken an oath of service. Mm. But there's a whole aspect of uh, uh, every person when they make these decisions or when they think in these directions of healthcare workers, they stop to think that these are human beings mm. who actually hold to pay bills. And we've seen many incidences where uh, because of the societal expectations of a doctor or a clinical officer or a nurse in the society, you expect it to be somebody who can even be sick. So probably these may be making with some of the reasons that why these things happen and that's why we have made a resolution not to keep quiet and to allow such a such an immoral thoughts to continue to the point that they need to know and it's need to be known that the, the matters of work and that is the employee employees and the matters of employer have to be resolved as per the law and there's an labor act regarding that therefore if you are not paid regardless of the services are going to offer in those hospitals you will not have the ability if you don't pay the rent the landlord will not understand that you are a doctor and therefore you don't need you don't need to pay the salaries to pay the rent mm -hmm. they will they, you go you go to full petrol stations just by saying you're a doctor or a clinical officer will not make them fill your car yes they will have to you'll have to pay <laughs> <laughs> and even if you have a child and they have the school fees needs to be paid you must actually have the money to pay and therefore if your employer does not pay you and does not consider when they will pay you it is it is impossible to be at work what you have is that skills to offer the services so when you withhold it then you actually enforce them to see that you are also a person that need to be treated with dignity yeah and maybe to add on to that mm. you know it's very dangerous to be treated by a frustrated and stressed work mm. especially healthcare work mm. and uh, i hope that is not their perspective because as he has said a calling does not pay bills mm. So uh, the reason as to why I'm saying it's very dangerous for a healthcare worker, you can imagine this is somebody who is supposed to have a clarity of mind so that they can listen to you, they can diagnose you. Yeah. But if this person is frustrated and stressed, they are having mental, mental issues, mm. this person is clouded. They are going to misdiagnose you. And so it's not a problem of medics only. It's also a problem of the patient who is going to be seen. And you know, we may be focusing probably on medics a lot, but we're also forgetting that uh, this money is also meant to purchase consumables and equipment and other things that we use to diagnose patients and to take care of patients. Mm. Right now, in most of the counties, even those which have paid, mm. because most of them have paid using probably overdrafts mm. from some banks, they are not able to purchase drugs, they are not able to purchase reagents, and so anybody who is even appearing to us, you are appearing to a frustrated healthcare worker, then they are going to send you outside to a private uh, laboratory to carry out the tests. And then once they do their prescription, you have to run to that chemist outside the hospital. To purchase and so even the cost of healthcare now goes high because these people have to dig deep in their pockets mm. to be able to purchase healthcare and further that means that those who cannot be able to afford are going to suffer from complications yeah. compounding the whole issue yeah. so it's a whole spectrum and uh, that is why i think my brother davji is saying there is a problem with prioritization of health as an essential service because mm. when we classify any sector as essential, then it means the country cannot let it even 
be interrupted for even an hour because it has devastating effects. But the problem with our country is that our leadership does not seem to care if health-wise people are going to suffer, even if you are going to die, because themselves they do not consume uh, health services from our public health system. Yeah. And that is why we have been proposing that it should be in a regulation or law somewhere that once elected, you must consume health care from the public health facilities in your locality. All state officers should consume public services. Yes. yes. Matatu, public school, public hospital. Unfortunately, <laughs> we don't have, we don't have a public, public transport system. They use Matatu until they can, they can now it, see, it, make, it, see it the make, need. It would make perfect sense. Mm. By the way, yeah. mm. what you're saying may sound strange, but that mm. actually was the case. There is a time when yes. the very same thing you're saying. Yes. Okay. Yes, the schools that everybody went to were public schools. Public schools. Mm. Yeah. The hospitals people went to were public hospitals. Yes. Yes. That's where you sought healthcare. So mm. it it is not something that has not been done. Very true. Yes. Actually, when I was growing up, mm. you know, we really trusted the public healthcare system. Yes. Mm -hmm. That uh, whenever you needed to go to hospital, even if you would go to a private clinic, mm. you had to go to a public health facility so that they can confirm you are actually treated right. <laughs> Nowadays, it's the opposite. It's the other way around. We actually don't go there. Yeah. Yeah. I want to ask a question to you, Dr. Davji. You said there are eight counties that have yet to pay yeah. healthcare workers by this morning. What are these eight counties? Uh, we have uh, Kisumu. Mm -hmm. We have... Uh, uh, Delta Veta, mm. we have Mombasa, mm. we have Vihiga, then we have also Embu, which has not paid the statutory deduction for healthcare workers for one year. Mm. So it means that even any penny that goes to the accounts of those workers are deducted by the banks or circles, anything that they have signed on. Mm. Yes. There are more. So Kisumu, Delta Veta, Mombasa, Vihiga. Embu, you may get the list of the others because I'm, I'm looking at it from this angle so yeah. we know that governors have been saying they haven't received their revenue share from the national treasury for the last three months yeah. right january february march the counties that are able to mobilize on source re re revenue that can afford to pay salaries yes. the counties that are their counties that's a question that you think their own on-source revenue from what they've reported previously is actually insufficient to cover paying salaries? You know, uh, that's a good question generally, but then we want to look at it in terms of the country, in the distribution of the counties that are paid and counties that are not paid. Mm. If we, for example, look at Kisumu in terms of the on-source revenue and you compare it to Rukana that has paid, then that becomes uh, an, ins uh, an absolute ins insolent question because mm. it clearly uh, looks at the aspect of priority because Kisumu, in terms of its capacity and the ability to generate on-source revenue is much higher. The same to Mombasa, in, for that matter. Mm. So that's why we always get, end up saying what is the priority and the yesterday when we are on TV with the governor he says there's a, a budgeting process that will make uh, onsets revenue be moved to pay the salaries so it's an issue of uh, uh, there's a bureaucratic processes that are involved here mm. for them to actually pay so sometimes when we take these particular drastic actions against the, uh, the, 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 the payments that's when they now have to sit down long hours to make sure that it's paid mm. many counties will say they've gone on overdrafts and the likes but we are saying one thing and these are calls that we've made it is 10 years and some governors have been in the office for 10 years mm -hmm. some have been uh, we've seen the first lot of governors we're seeing new ones and 
they they claim and they say there's a problem from the exchequer to pay the salaries then why do they claim and say that they have to they must have healthcare workers within them they're saying that they have reached the sailing point the sailing budget as per the public uh, finance act mm. and they cannot employ any more healthcare workers they cannot uh, they cannot operationalize healthcare as as it's as required mm. then why do they want to stick to have these healthcare workers because it is like a conduit you get money from as per the explanation you get money from the exchequer put it in your account and then transfer to the workers account mm. then what is the problem if these people are paying directly because the people who have made it impossible to have uh, centralized a functional uh, uh, health service commission or health workers is actually the governors mm. because they want that uh, they claim they want the power to hire and fire uh, that's the, so it's more of an ego issue with them but then why would you have that when you actually know that it's not working and well, that goes to what my brother said the problem persists because most governors have a lot of theoretical knowledge on how healthcare should work and the way they are going to change it when they're campaigning and with the manifestos. But when they come to the office, they become washimiwa, who then do not have understanding of what is happening in those facilities. They will just know that we have reached this budget, we cannot move anymore, we can't employ any more doctors, any more uh, healthcare workers, but they don't look at it that at the service provision efficient in those facilities because themselves they don't just consume it their families the mcs the chief officers all of them they got high we call them high-end uh, uh insurances medical covers medical mm -hmm. covers that mm -hmm. guarantees them to go to the best facilities in the country or else. and of the country and uh, uh since i want to tell you that kenya has the best private care like most the best in africa I think it's just second South Africa. It's better than even Egypt and all other countries. The private care. Private. Private care. In fact, some of the conditions that are referred to India are not referred because they can't be done here. It's because the cost is high. Just let me just pause for a second, Dr. Yeah. When you say care, yes. is it in terms of facilities we have or the human resource capacity that we have? Or is it both? It is the investment in the private hospitals. And uh, I, that's why we see that the public doesn't work. Uh, the public doesn't work because it has it's deliberate effort to, not, to make it not to work. It's just like what we always say mm -hmm. when when there's a problem with water system across, we then we say we have to start bottling water. Mm -hmm. When there is a problem with education, it's made to have a problem. We have a so private we have academies. Mm -hmm. In the same way, Vision 2030 actually policy put it there that you want to have healthcare in Kenya fully privatized by 2030. So they will make sure that there are no employment of doctors and healthcare workers in the hospitals. They'll make sure that there are no drugs and if the 80% of the patients that go to those facilities, they get frustrated and they say, no, let's privatize this healthcare. So it is a deliberate effort to actually have that happen because I can tell you, most of the presidents across African country will come to private facilities in Kenya, in Kenya because the investment is higher in the private hospitals and there's increased privatization. Mm. Yes. And a lot of that money is coming directly from NHIF. Okay. In, in fact, to put it very well, let me tell you, mm. the, the funny <laughs> thing is the government is giving private insurance $120 billion every year. Uh, and, and we are saying they've defunded uh, NHIF. But these private insurances, there's none of them that is covering anybody who's going to public hospitals. Yeah. This money all goes to the private facilities. So there's no any effort that the government will expect the public uh, facilities to operate where there's no investment in them. So I hear you to be saying that the government is deliberately killing its own hospitals. Yes, it is. And now that we are discussing challenges with finances at the county level, Maybe probably we can even go broader and what is the impact. 
let's start from the point uh, do we actually need uh, the national treasury to be sending money to the counties only for the counties to pay the workers why, why not pay directly <laughs> and you know actually counties are yep. suffering negatively because like now you have to take overdrafts you pay with interest you don't pay KRA then when you're paying you're paying with interest and, and then HIF and the others mm. so money that were meant for development in healthcare and other areas goes into interest for for paying these loans. banks but if we could just be able to pay directly from the treasury then you overcome that mm. and the other problem is that uh, when health was devolved you remember we had a protracted uh, strike in 2013 yeah and simply what we were saying, we were not saying don't devolve us. We were saying, can you give us some more time? Can you develop some frameworks so that we can have effective management of human resources by the time we are devolving? Now, we devolved in a hurry. We were told the train had left. I, I don't know where the train was going. <laughs> but we were told that, that the train had left and we had to go to the devolution way. Mm. And, of course, we had to because it's the government. But now... We are seeing the consequences. As he is saying, you know, there is the PFM Act. There is, I think, is it the 3565? There's a limit. Yes, of mm. the recurrent. Yep. All the counties have reached that ceiling. And so, they will tell you that they have shortage of clinical officers, of doctors, of nurses. But they cannot be able to employ. If you look at uh, some of our projections, mm. like uh, in the Ministry of Health, mm. First, in 2013, our CS uh, of Health, CS Masharia, uh, attended the WHO Conference of uh, Human Resources for Health. In that conference, he said one of the biggest challenges with the healthcare in Kenya is the human resource. He signed a commitment, <laughs> which is available, yeah. that from 2013 to 2017, he would employ 12,000 healthcare workers each year. Further to that, in 2014, the ministry developed a very good document called the Staffing Norms and Standards. In the Staffing Norms and Standards, it gave a projection by 2018 of the numbers we needed per each of the CADA. And for clinic officers, it is said by the year 2018, we required 16,000 in the public health care system for the basic services to run. Basic services. By 2018, we only had around 6,000 clinic officers. By today, we only have 8,000, again 16,000 that we were supposed to have had in 2018. <laughs> and this is because after devolution, they only given the monies for salary. Actually, mostly they are not given, mm. but whatever goes to them is only for the salary for those who are already employed. So not they don't have more. the capacity to, to employ more. more. And now you can see the national government even had to come in and employ, like the UHC staff. We have uh, over 9,000 staff mm. employed by the national government sent to counties. Mm. And it's because of the problem with financing of healthcare under the counties. And uh, there also seems to be some friction between the counties and the national government when it comes to, uh, to, to, to uh, giving uh, finances to devolved uh, uh, to, to, to devolution mm. and i don't want to say that there is it seems like they are killing devolution no, I'm saying it but, directly. Uh, but <laughs> what else can you say mm. but whatever they are doing mm. if it walks like a duck they are really killing mm. and i can assure you if we continue with this trajectory in the next five to ten years mm. the public health system will have died completely
Kenyans will either have to go to the private uh, facilities okay. and if they don't have that capacity. Mr. Weru, the, right now, if you look at Oshira, why am I calling you Oweru? Uh, probably I look like Oweru. Mm. <laughs> no, I know why. You, you were treated by Oweru sometimes. <laughs> you know, I, I know why. Okay. I was thinking of, care, uh, of, 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 of caring. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yes. The, if you look at the public health care system right now, mm. how alive is it? It's in nice ear Yeah, I think uh, I want to agree that there's, I would say, deliberate administrative inefficiency. You know, we may blame counties, we may blame national government, but the end result is that when you go to the hospitals, you can't get care. Mm. And the, 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 the impact that we see every day look at the case for example of mukumu uh, girls uh, <laughs> we have a, a scenario where uh, uh, there's a, 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 an outbreak it's an outbreak of e coli and and, and salmonella typhoid these are these are normal conditions mm -hmm. that will be treated in a dispensary mm -hmm. but we see it claiming lives we see dispensary the, we see yes, yes. We dispensary we mm -hmm. see a lab result a lab request being sent to Kimri and the result coming days after this particular people who are yeah. who suppose were taken a week, a week later you get the point that shows yeah. the, the, the way the health is dysfunctional actually mm. in entirety it's sad for those particular uh, families but the reality comes in because the middle class we feel like we have insurance covers just mm -hmm. like the state officers so therefore we do not feel like we will be going to the public facilities but you don't know when you will land there mm. yeah. for example when you get an accident when you go to, to Masai Mara the first place you land in is Narok country federal hospitals mm. when you are when your child is in any school when they get issues they, the first place they run to is all those, those particular facilities so if the public doesn't work we are ready to actually suffer we'll mm. say that if there's a, a break in, in in healthcare you must be ready to be heartbroken isn't this the issue though because we could look at it as a money issue but it goes a lot deeper than yes. that money is the f is you know it's the en it's the fuel for this particular yes. engine but we're saying right now that the engine is broke Yes. And broke, I don't mean money less, I mean broke as in broken. Yes. Um, because you can have money, but if the structure itself is faulty, you, no matter how much money you pump into it, it's not going to work. The, f the very function or the very infrastructure of the health system in the country is compromised. The question, though, is that these CBAs that have been fought the last one the one that we are currently in for health workers these are some of the things that you mention mm -hmm. in like the current cba yep. is one of the things that you mention what is it going to actually take to make it work because i look at kenyatta national hospital the private wing is spectacular uh, just as an example yep. mm -hmm. that many people will be able to take their patients to the private wing at knh but we take issue with the public part of the same hospital mm. let's not even talk about going into counties of the mm. same hospital so what is the problem and how can it actually be fixed the reality is that healthcare can never be free and this is a, a fact that happens in the country if the government does not invest in healthcare by allocating the budgetary but the, the necessary budgetary allocation for it as per their budget declaration at least 15 percent where we are about 4.4 now as a country mm. then the public must pay for it mm -hmm. and when that happens it means that when you go to the facilities uh for example in the knh private public sites or in the public facilities there are some care that you will need that probably are going to cost 
Yeah. And therefore, they will prefer they, they will refer you to the private private aspect of it. Mostly the in the, in the, in the counties because they cannot offer those services, and this is because they have not invested in them. Mm. And that's why the first thing is that if health is if you just talk about the universal health care as it is being said that we want every Kenyan to access health care regardless of the socioeconomic status then the government must deliberately invest in the health care but I can tell you that is not going to happen it's more of a dream mm. if we continue mm. uh, empowering more of a private uh, 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 sector to actually Over grow faster public, yeah. because you see one thing happens with any private uh, sector when we when we when government funds the private sector because like it is now, the government is funding the private sector, yeah. and the people running the private sector are the policymakers in the government. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so it has been deliberate to have public not work. So, with that case, the cost of care will always just increase. Mm -hmm. You saw yesterday in the nation newspaper that today uh, the cost of, for example, uh, some of the drugs have increased a thousandfold. Yeah. So if you are going to get these drugs it means you have to look what how do i get how do i get funds for this mm -hmm. so that's the reality mm -hmm. yeah. it's a very unfortunate reality and um uh, well let's see if these eight counties will have paid by the end of the day it means that the workers will report to work tomorrow those that haven't paid the workers in those counties are not going to report tomorrow that's basically the message that you we are getting from you this morning absolutely. Yes. Yeah. absolutely any county going forward that does not pay its workers by the fifth on the sixth, the workers do not report. report to yes, us. the formula is money in your account. Yes. Okay, yeah. we've heard from them. The leadership of the healthcare workers, Dr. Dev G. Atella, is the secretary general of the Kenya Medical Practitioners and Dentists Union. Peterson Washira is the national chairman of the Kenya Union of Clinical Officers. Keeping here for more conversations. Good morning. How about that? You made it to the end of today's podcast. You clearly ooze stamina. Guess what? Just hit subscribe at Standard Media Podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Our podcasts drop daily. From me and the team, catch you next time. Bye-bye.